American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of the On the Fin Side podcast with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as finfanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network. So, not a lot of Dolphins news, finally, because of following the Tyreek Hill trade. Uh, not a lot going on out there. Jesse Davis and Alan Hearns were released, creating a little bit of cap room. The Dolphins were $7 million under the cap. Um, or excuse me, seven million over the cap. That after those cuts, now they're five to seven million under, and looking to clear out some more space too. And they've they've got some more resources possibly to do that. Whether that's Eric Rowe, whether that's um, Miles Gaskin, Greg Little, Adam Shaheen. We'll we'll see if anybody else here is on the chopping block. But uh, well, don't see Dave. Don't forget the uh, restructure of Byron Jones as well. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah, that, that that's correct. That's and that's the big one, where uh, Byron Jones restructured, creating an, that additional ten million dollars there in cap room. So that's what put the Dolphins, I believe, five to seven million under the cap uh, as as we sit here now, Paul. Yeah, no, I, it's you know, I don't have the hate towards Jesse Davis that other people do. He was put behind the eight ball. You know, he he had a decent season at guard a couple years ago. He got moved all over the place, went through four or five schemes, if you could even call some of them schemes. And, you know, God bless him. Alan Hearns was just here robbing the Dolphins, you know, the, and I was ready for him to go a couple years ago. So, yeah, no, like it's 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 been an exciting week. And there's rumors that, but wait, there's more. Because, there, you know, it's, it sounds like Miami's out on Treader, supposedly, if you believe the rumors. But it sounds like Honey Badger's been floating in the ether nearby and may have an offer on the table. So interesting times. Yeah. And Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew is is somebody who I could take it or leave it, to be honest with you. He's going to cost a lot of money. And I don't think he has a lot of range and coverage, even though he's a real opportunistic playmaker. But he would certainly be an upgrade over Brandon Jones, and it would allow Brandon Jones to be that third safety then. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there, and and also if you sign Matthew, then um, you're definitely cutting Eric Rowe at that point, and and, and saving that money because you're not you're not going to keep Eric Rowe to be your, you know, fourth safety at, you know, six million dollars. That's uh, that's that that part's not going to happen. So yeah, and you say sh- you say four and a half million by cutting him, which counteracts some of 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 Matthew's salary, but I I wouldn't hate it, especially. He's an ideal type of safety for this defense that gives you some more flexible options out there from the safety position combined with Javon Holland and Brandon Jones. I, I wouldn't hate it. It's a luxury, not a necessity. But, God, it would just continue the fun. It, it would. Uh, it kind of would remind me of the Dolphins signing Sammy Knight about you know 20 years ago to play to be that additional piece in an already really good defense. So we'll keep an eye on that and we'll, we'll be sure to jump back on here if that signing does happen, but we're here today for probably Paul's favorite show. I don't know if Paul could sleep last night for the, uh, we're doing not one, but two mock drafts. One, we're going to really quickly run through 
the first round of the NFL draft, how we see it going. I'm sure this will change a million times. And then we're going to do a complete Dolphins mock draft, which shouldn't take too long because they've got a third, fourth, fifth, and two sevenths. And we're also predicting a trade to give them another pick. So let's get to it, Paul. And I'm going to throw it to you first here. You, you take it away there with your first five. All right. So Jacksonville, they had a pass rusher opposite Josh Allen and Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Uh, Detroit could go a lot of directions. They, they need a lot on that team, but I think they can help their entire secondary right now. If they add Kyle Hamilton, the rangy, just athletic, ridiculous safety out of Notre Dame. Uh, I think he could really make an impact up there in Detroit. The next one's going to be a little bit of a surprise for some folks. It's Lovey Smith took over for the, for the Texans. Big defensive guy. Sounds like he's going to probably be running their defense. Uh, you know, they they stole uh, Jacques Cesaire out of Buffalo. I know he's tied at the hip to Lovey Smith. They want to improve that front seven drastically, especially in a div- division where you've got to fa- face King Henry twice a year. And you need somebody that King Henry just can't stiff arm out of the way. Uh, the guy I went with, He's got the same 10-yard splits as guys like Joey Boza. Uh, he's fast. He's huge. He can, he can really play all along the defensive line, and that's Jordan Davis out of Georgia. I know that's a little earlier than a lot of folks have him, but I would not be shocked here at all. Uh, the Jets, they look at what's, what's going on in the AFC East, realize they need a little bit of corner help, and Sauce Gardner comes off the board at number four. And then the Giants hopefully managed to get Nate Solder out of the lineup, taking Evan Neal, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. Wow. Um, yeah, Which I'm, one? Sh- I'm shocked by one and three that you that Jaguars going Thibodeau over uh, Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker, uh, but possible Jordan it's, Davis. Uh, yeah, that, that rush, would that would be a game. shock. What's that? It would. But biggest well, difference maker in the draft. And I do mean big. Yeah. Thibodeau? Or no, 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 no. Jordan Davis. Sorry. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to do a spoiler. I don't have Jordan Davis going in the first round. So yeah. And that, that, that was, that was a little bit of my surprise there. So good. I'm glad we've got some different, different. You don't have Jordan uh, Davis going in the first round. Correct. And, and I'll explain why. Oh, well, let, no, I'll explain why now. Um, when it comes to Jordan Davis, I think he, I mean, the odds are, are likely he'll go in the first round. In fact, a lot of people haven't gone in the top 15 picks. But when it comes down to it, people are alert with the size, 6'6", 341, and what he ran, et cetera. This is somebody who at Georgia rarely played on third down. And he had he had 383 pass rush attempts at Georgia. And he had 30 sacks, pressures, or hurries. Like, what makes people think that he's going to get into the NFL and he's going to suddenly be a nine or nine or 10 sack guy, which you need to be to be a top 15 pick. So I think that people are going to be carried away with the size and everything, but are not, are not seeing that. Okay. What type of actual impact is he going to make at the most important times of football games? So a a, a very huge one. And it's, I think he can get after it, but that's not the way he was utilized at Georgia, especially along a defensive line that that's got what probably two to three first rounders this year, and at least one for next year already. Uh, it, it's 
you know, what he was asked to do and the way he was utilized because of the players around him. And, you know, you work with Jordan Davis to get him in even better shape. And it's scary what he's got the capability to do out there, especially in the right system. And I think you could play him on third down if you can get him in slightly better shape. And it's crazy to say better shape for a guy that's that big and runs a four, seven, eight. But there were times I saw him chasing plays to the sidelines after running through a triple team and outrunning linebackers to make the play. So it's, it's that that's where like it, it's he, he, if he makes it beyond pick 10, I'm going to be shocked. Yeah. I, I would be shocked if he went in the top 10. So we'll, we'll see. That's why we do this. Mm-hmm. So, I'm gonna my my top five are going to be uh, a little bit different too. I mean, I, I and, and so you know, Paul and I are both know where, where all these players are projected to go, but this draft reminds me a lot of 2017, where you had, uh, I mean, there were so many shocks. Mitch Trubisky going second, uh, Corey Davis going fifth, John Ross going what seventh or eighth. The reason being is is all these players are so closely projected together. In this draft, now, I, this is a good year for the Dolphins to trade their pick, to be quite honest. So my number one pick is, and this is, this was also reported by, uh, as, as a, a possibility by um, uh, Pro Football Network's Tony Pauline, uh, Trayvon Walker, I've got going number one to the Jaguars. I think he has a better scheme fit than Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. And of just just about everyone has Hutchinson going number one. Trayvon Walker, 6'5", 275, 35-inch arms. Not the best pass rusher, but he'll play in that 3-4 defense. Uh, he's, but he certainly has the tools to get a lot better at that. Number two, Malik Willis, quarterback from Liberty. And, and the reason I've got him going here, too, is, look, if, if, you're, the, if you're the Lions and you're going to take Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau and they do well and you hit the ground, how many games are you going to win next year? Five. So you need somebody here who actually moves the needle for you. And people throw it out that, you know, 2023 is going to have a great quarterback class and they will, but you can't count on that. And I, I don't know if there's a quarterback in next year's class that can run as fast or throw the ball further than Malik Willis. And he's going to be able to um, have Jared Goff. It, it is, he's going to be able to sit behind Jared Goff for at least a year. Number three, Aiden Hutchinson uh, to the Texans. This would be a, a, a real solid move for them. Give them uh, that that a defensive end there that can certainly not only improve the talent there, but also be kind of a culture changer with his attitude there. 14 sacks last year, Heisman finalist. Four, I've got the Jets taking Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama. I know they've got Mekhi Becton at left tackle and George Fan at right tackle, so it's not a big need. But there are questions with Becton and Fant's now getting on the wrong side of 30. Uh, I think you You've got Evan Neal protecting, uh, excuse me, Zach Wilson for the next year, 10 years. Number five, Iki Aquano, the offensive tackle from NC State. Um, high, high upside, might start out at right ta- tackle, but could be a, a dominant guard as well. So, Paul, how about you uh, pick six through 10? Pick six. Malik Willis comes off the board for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, but for the Carolina Panthers, who it sounds like have lost some faith in Sam Darnold going into this season, and rightfully so. Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the Giants are shocked and happy and thrilled to have him there at number seven. Uh, And then a wide receiver comes off the board to Atlanta at number eight. They give some weapons since Malik's off the board, and Garrett Wilson will head to Atlanta. Uh, Number nine, Seahawks, they've been trying to upgrade at at offensive tackle. they've, They've got a few guys they're trying to sign, and they steal 
Icky Iguanu right here at number nine. And then for the Jets, a linebacker comes off the board at number 10 in Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Got it. So we're 10 picks in and we're not going to have any of the same 10 picks. So the, the, this is going to be fun to go back to. <laughs> and I'm not going to have Kyle Wilson going in the, or, or Kyle Wilson, Kyle, Zach Wilson, Kyle Wilson, Kyle Hamilton. I don't have Kyle Hamilton going in the top 10 either. So number six, another quarterback comes off the board because I think the Panthers have to, and they're in a situation where I don't think you can put Sam Darnold back out there. And they take Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pittsburgh, kind of the, in terms of just dropping back and throwing the ball and seeing the field, had 42 touchdowns last year for Pittsburgh. Um, somebody that they're going to plug into the starting lineup in day one. Uh, I, I think they just kind of have to. Number seven, Sauce Gardner uh, to the Giants at cornerback. They're talking about cutting or getting rid or trading J- James Bradbury as their top corner. Sauce Gardner put in with slot right in there. Number eight, this is where I have Kayvon Thibodeau coming off the board. They're, the Falcons have struck out on Dante Fowler, you know, Vic Beasley, even though Beasley had one good season for him um, here. So, but the, this will be a, a, a big tool for them coming off the edge. Uh, number nine, I do have him going offensive tackle. I've got him going Charles Cross from Mississippi State. And if you look at the Seahawks depth chart there, I don't think they have an NFL caliber tackle on their roster right now and they've they been talking up they've been talking highly of drew Locke too so they might actually go with him here this year and then number 10 again this might be a little bit of an eyebrow raiser but i've got him going with jamison williams the wide receiver from alabama he's ahead of schedule with his torn acl this would actually really hurt me because this is probably my favorite player in the draft but they tried to get tyree kill so they're trying to get a lethal deep threat to go with uh, Zach Wilson's arm there. So even if he's out, you know, the half the f- first half of the year or the first year, you still have a 22 year old lethal deep throughout in the future. This, this would kill me here. If the, if the jets came away with Jamison Williams, Paul picks 17 through 16 here for you. Oh, you talked about Jamison Williams and he ends up with, I'm not calling him the commanders, the football team. Uh, they've got Terry McLaurin. They've got a couple other guys, but their wide receiver core is a little suspect. And all the reasons you listed, he goes to Washington. Minnesota needs a corner, and they need a corner badly here. So they go ahead and they take Stingley off the board out of LSU. Uh, Houston, they continue to add to their defensive front and take Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, pairing the two Georgia boys up down in Houston. Chris Olave finally gives the Ravens the receiver that they've been craving for I don't even know how long at this point. And then Nicobe Dean is an eagle. They could end up taking two starting linebackers in this draft. Got it. And so Olave goes 15. How about 16? Olave went 14. Nicobe Dean went 15. Got it. So let's make sure we got. Okay. So Nicobe Dean went 15. All right. Uh, so then the Eagles also pick 16th. Yep. Andrew Booth, quarterback out of Clemson. I wanted a receiver here. But after Olave came off the board, I pivoted. The Eagles need help in that cornerback room, too. Got it. Oh, actually, that was six picks there. So thanks thanks for yep, that was. being flexible. Yeah, my, my bad there. But anyway, I'll, I'll go 11 through 16 as well. Uh, Washington, I've got him going receiver, too. But I, I've got him going with Drake London, the wide receiver from USC, who before getting hurt last year had, what, 90-plus catches. I mean, in nine games. I mean, just an insane season. 6'5", 210, and... 
you know, when you pair that size with what they've got with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, that's a really good receiving core. And I, I think Carson Wentz needs some big dudes to throw to. He's more of a high ball thrower. So that makes sense. Number 12, finally, Kyle Hamilton comes off the board. I, I think that people are, I'm, I'm shocked that people are not dropping him more given that he, he ran almost a four, six in the Derwin James, Derwin James ran in the mid four fours and tested out athletically better too. Um, I, I still think he's a talented player, but I can't, I can't put him in the top three. Um, then uh, 13, uh, Trevor Penning from the offensive tackle from Northern Iowa. If you've got Hutchinson and Penning on both sides of the ball up front, you've got two charismatic, mean, productive dudes there to, to continue your, your rebuild. And then in typical Ravens fashion, Derek Stingley Jr. falls to them at 14. Their cornerbacks are getting a little bit older. They cut uh, Tavon Young, one of their cornerbacks. Marcus Peters is, is approaching 30 here. So, um, yeah, they're going to be in need for a cornerback soon. Uh, 15, 16, I went with both Ohio State receivers to pair with Devontae Smith out there. So Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson join Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts there in Philadelphia. Paul, we're, we're moving along here. Who are your next five, 17 through 21? All right, 17, Charles Cross comes in to pair with Rayshon Slater and fix the right half of the Chargers' offensive line, continuing to make them scarier. The Saints, they need some edge help, and George Karlaftis out of Purdue ends up going to New Orleans. The Eagles do take a wide receiver finally in mind, which is well, well needed in Drake London. And then Kenny Pickett slides into Pittsburgh. And then the Patriots, yes, they re-signed Malcolm Brown this week. I don't think he's the answer. They go with Kair Alam out of Florida, the corner. Yeah, they they need a cornerback badly there. Uh, I mean, it, it, you could have, as it stands right now, you could have what Malcolm Butler and Jalen Mills going up against Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle next year, mm-hmm. and the Dolphins beat the Patriots twice last year. Yeah, that's 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 pretty exciting stuff there. Uh, so I went seventeen with Trent McDuffie uh, to the Chargers. Uh, you know to as they continue to add a lot of defensive talent this offseason. At 18, I went with uh, Traylon Burks, and he'll play with Michael Thomas in that offense, give two really big weapons there for uh, for Jameis Winston. 19, uh, Kair Elam for the Eagles comes off the board, so they go with two receivers and a cornerback. He's somebody that's raw, but uh, it didn't have a great season last year, but still 6'2", 200 pounds, ran under 4'4", and played really well in, in 2020. Uh, at 20, I thought we were maybe going to have a, a similar pick. No, I had Pickett going earlier, so I gave them Matt Corral, the quarterback out of Ole Miss. And at 21, this is where Devin Lloyd comes off the board uh, to the Patriots. Again, if, if, if uh, the Jets came away with Jameis Williams and Devin Lloyd went to the Patriots, those are two of my favorite players. That, that would hurt, but that's, that's what made the most sense for me here. And, and you know, you look at, at Belichick's history, you know, drafted Gerard Mayo in the first round in 2008. And then when he left, uh, they de- uh, selected Dante Hightower in 2012. And he's been with them forever, currently a free agent. But if, if they let him walk, Devin Lloyd slots right in there. They're at the middle linebacker spot. Paul, we're uh, about two-thirds of the way done here. Who are your next five there? Give Aaron Rodgers some help, finally. Traylon Burks, welcome to Green Bay. Arizona needs some help up front in front of Kyler Murray, whether he's the guy or not. And, and Tyler Linderbaum, a guy we all love in this draft, ends up out in Arizona. 
Jerry Jones continued to to grab his athletic safeties, and Daxton Hill is heading to Dallas. The Buffalo Bills take offensive guard Zion Johnson off the board, and then Trevor Penning follows him up to be that right right side of the offensive line help in Tennessee. Uh, at 22, I had the Packers going with Bernard Raymond, the offensive tackle from uh, Central Michigan. And, you know, David Bakhtiari keeps getting hurt. He's on the wrong side of 30 now as well. And they also have some needs at right tackle. So he can start at right tackle, kick Royce Newman uh, back into right guard, strengthens two positions for him. 23, I do have a Georgia defensive tackle coming off the board, and it is Devontae Wyatt from, uh, from Georgia there. So it gives them some help up front. 24, Tyler Linderbaum, uh, the center there from Iowa. Uh, slots in there, takes over for Tyler Biotish. 25, Kyler Gordon, the cornerback from uh, Washington, takes place of, of Levi um, uh, Levi Wallace. 26, um, Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle from Tulsa, comes off the board. And, Paul, I'm just going to run through the rest of the list here so we can get to the Dolphins mock draft. 27, Zion Johnson to the Bucks. 28, Lewis Scene goes to the Packers, so they don't take a receiver in typical Packers fashion in the first round, even with two picks. 29, um, you know, the Chiefs always draft for the future, uh, and Andy Reid has always done that. So David Ajabo comes off the board here, and even though he just tore his Achilles, more of a 2023 player. 30, Tariq Woolen, the cornerback from UTSA, gets in there as well. So they've got two big athletes to develop on the defensive side of the ball. 31, Jermaine Johnson, projected to go a lot higher by most. Georgia transfer, went to Florida State, had a great year, looks the part, tested out well, goes to the Bengals at 31. And finally, 32, Kenny Walker comes off the board for the Lions, pairs with, with DeAndre Swift. You know, the Swift is, can never stay healthy, and they're, they're relegated to guys like Chase Reynolds at the running back spot. Now you've got Malik Willis, you've got Kenny Walker, and you still have they still have two first round picks this year and two seconds this year if they want to add more of those, you know, offensive and defensive line pieces. So, Paul, it looks like is well, I guess my question to you is, are we going to have any of the same first round picks? I don't believe we do. No, um, we don't so far. So at 27, Tampa Bay needs cornerback help in the worst way. And that's where we've got Trent McDuffie coming off the board. For me, a player I really, really like in this draft. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, who you mentioned, is going to go up to Green Bay and start helping off the edge on that defense a little bit now that they got their wide receiver earlier. Kansas City with their back-to-back picks, including the pick of the Dolphins. I went with safety, Jaquan Brisker, and I went with running back, Brees Hall. I like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a lot. He just can't stay healthy, and they need more help in that running back room behind Pat Mahomes. So those two come off the board there. I have a defensive tackle coming off the board at 31. Mr. Perrion Winfrey out of Oklahoma is going to go up to Cincinnati and wreak havoc in the middle of that defensive line. And then this is where I've got Detroit taking a pass rusher. I've got a little bit of a surprise sneaking into the first round, but Boye Mafe out of Minnesota is going up to Dan Campbell's defense to bite kneecaps. Yeah, and that's not as much of a surprise anymore because Mafia is a 42-inch vertical leap. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is he is 
Nobody has risen more in the pre-draft process than him. Um, so, Paul, let's. This is a Dolphins show, so let's let's get to it with the Dolphins mock draft here. Obviously, so they start out by with third, fourth, fifth, and two sevenths. So five picks overall. So this won't take as long as previous seasons. But um, we also too did project a trade, and that's wide receiver Devontae Parker. We have him going to the Eagles for a fifth round pick, pick 162. And he could go to another team. And, uh, you know, Paul, you might think it actually might be the um, might be another team. Yeah, there's a couple of teams that make sense. One of the ones for me is the fact that, you know, as a coach, if you get a player to break out under you, you, you develop a bond and a fondness that can sometimes lie to you even. And Devontae Parker's rookie year back in 2015, he went ahead and had a rough go of it. Uh, and then all of a sudden in the final six weeks, I want to say he threw down 20-something receptions, 445 yards, three touchdowns, including finishing the year with 106-yard uh, effort on five out of six reception, receptions on targets uh, for a touchdown against New England and really studded out a little bit for Dan Campbell at the end of his rookie year. And then you've got Dan Campbell up in Detroit who has a desperate need at the wide receiver position. It wouldn't shock me to see him pound the table for, for, for Devante if we move him. Now, I know we traded a fifth-round pick for Devontae in this mock draft. If it comes down to a fifth-round pick, I'm more likely to try to just keep him at that point. Me too. I And th- that's more of what we think is going to happen, not what we want to happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're talking about somebody who is, you know, he'll be 30 at the end of this year, but believe it or not. And, uh, he does get hurt a lot, but he can roll out of bed and he could be a huge mismatch in the passing game. So anybody that gets, I mean, you know, you're, you're going to get him for less than $10 million. I mean, if, if you, if you can get 12, 13 games out of him for a good team, I mean, you are, you are certainly getting your money's worth with him. So, Paul. Third round, who do you have the Dolphins going with? So I've been very vocal. I think Miami needs somebody that can help out as a running back, uh, somebody that can catch out of the backfield. I've also been very vocal. Miami needs a linebacker and somebody that can be a difference maker in the middle of that defense. Uh, I love those guys at ball hawk and, and, and have a chance to turn the ball over on any given play. And you know, I love the gadgety guys, the guys that can play multiple positions and, and help out in various ways and possibly even slide over on, onto offense and, and, and jump in in different roles there if they're on defense and, you know, move around the offense. And I decided to go with all of those at number 102. And I took Troy Anderson, the linebacker out of Montana State. Uh, I'm totally blanking on his 40 time right now. He ran well. Uh, he was a stud when four, he got four, in the game one. at linebacker. Well, it was 4-4. I thought it was, but I was I didn't want to say it and be wrong. Uh, studded out at linebacker. Studded out when he ran the ball. Studded out catching the ball. Got in at quarterback and, you know, between running RPO plays and all over. The, I mean, this guy's amazing to sit and watch. And I think he's a guy that a creative genius like Mike McDaniel is going to stare at and go, ooh, gimme. You have got to be kidding me. We went through 32 picks and did not my guy, didn't you? have one of the same pick. My third round pick was Troy Anderson. I'm glad Montana I went first. State. 
Oh my God. Uh, yeah. For a lot of reasons you said there and look, he's obviously going to be raw. He only played linebacker for one, for one year at Montana state, but all, I mean, lower level of competition, but he looked the part during senior bowl week, especially in coverage. And he has a four, four, one. I mean, you you're taking a risk here, but this guy could be a star if you hit on him. So I, I'm right there with you. My fourth round pick. I also am staying on the defensive side of the ball. And I went with Brian cook. This the safety out of Cincinnati. He was somebody I would have been very comfortable taking in the third round. If the dolphins don't get Tyron Matthew, then I, I think that you can add him as your fourth safety. I, I think that he's being typecast as an in the box safety only. And, and I think that's a mistake. He, he runs a lot faster than that. And I could see him pairing along with George Javon Holland long-term and then having Brandon Jones as your third safety who blitzes a lot. So who'd you go with in the fourth round, Paul? So I know you said we were allowed to have one trade. Correct. I was not going to have one. And then I had one thrown in my face when I got to pick 125. And to move back one spot, Denver offered me pick 206. I, I didn't pursue it. They threw it in my face, so I moved back one spot to pick 126. So since it was just one spot, I'm going to go ahead and, and put my pick out there. And I went with my guy, the guy that's multiple on offense, and and he ran faster than even I expected, even though I've talked him up a lot on this show. Listed as a tight end, he's more of a fullback, H-back, and he's somebody that you can move around the offense. That's Chiga Conquo out of Maryland. If you watch his film, this guy is so fun to watch catching passes out of the backfield and with the ball in his hands after the fact. It's anybody that's watched him has fallen in love with him thus far. I don't know if you have yet, Kat. I'm sure you have. Yeah. But this was an easy one for me. Right. He could, you know, somebody who, if Alec Ingold's here for, you know, just a year or two, that's somebody who could bring four, five, two speed to that fullback position. So yeah, that's certainly looks like, looks like a good fit. Uh, fifth round picks. I have a feeling we may have one of the same ones here. Um, so the dolphins have two picks in the fifth round because of the projected trade with Devonte Parker and uh, Matt Areza, the punter from San Diego state underclassmen. Uh, I would all day take him there. He may actually end up going higher, but the last, projected guy I've seen or, or projected punter I've seen go this high was Michael Dixon a couple years ago, the punter from Texas. He ended up going actually lower in the fifth round than pick 162. Not a surprise. He turns into an all pro pretty quickly. And, and I think Areza can also be that guy. And then my other fifth round pick, I went with uh, D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky. Uh, he's somebody that's seems like has been at Western Kentucky forever, but did test out athletically uh, really well. This past year he had 17 and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks. So very productive off the edge. And, you know, with the Dolphins spending all this money, a player that, that may be a casualty with that is, is Andrew Van Ginkle, who's a free agent in 2023. You're going to need somebody off the edge that can replace him and replace what he does for that defense. And I think D'Angelo Malone at 6'3", 235 could be that guy. He could. And for me at 154, and I'll throw 158 in right after it. Uh, I went ahead and I supplemented a little bit at the offensive line spot, got my potential center, but who can also slot in at, at offensive guard. 
And that's Cole Strange out of Chattanooga, the guy that's been talked about a little bit, but still doesn't seem to be shooting up draft boards, even though he's had a great um, offseason thus far. He's, he's stood out everywhere he's been, and I, I think he could be a guy that could step in and challenge Dieter at center in year one. And then Matt Ariza, the punter, baby. Let's go. Matt, all right. All right. So I'm going to throw it back to you again there because a pick – you said pick 206. Is that is that sixth round or seventh round for you? Uh, it's right on the cusp. I can't remember yeah, off the top right. of my head. Either way, go, go for it. Miami adds some more speed to the wide receiver room. The fastest offense in the NFL just got faster. And Bo Melton out of Rutgers comes off the board here. And he can really help take the top off of defense, but he's sneaky good underneath. And, and Miami now basically can run a play call where they just yell, go, which should sound familiar. And they just scramble, and you know somebody's going to be open. <laughs> Bo Melton would be a, would be a really good pick. He's somebody I was definitely looking at, and you know never had over six hundred thirty eight yards at Rutgers. But then again, Rutgers can't throw the ball, so it makes sense. Uh, but tested it out. I ran under a four four. It makes a lot of sense. I think if if he went to Alabama or somewhere like that, he would be ultra productive, and we'd be talking about uh, at least a day two pick. So. I have two picks remaining here in the seventh round. I didn't make any trades. I wanted to, but I just didn't really, really see the opportunity to do it. So I, I just, I just punted that all together. Um, in the seventh round, with their first seventh round pick here, I went with Velas Jones, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. And you know, talent wise, he should go a lot higher. But this is a guy that's been in college. He's been in college for six years now. He was with USC for four years and then Tennessee for two more. And, and I go back to this. Uh, if you remember, and I, I used this analogy last year with, or I made this point last year with, with, with Dwayne Eskridge is if you remember that game against Seattle and Adam Gase's first year where Kenny Stills dropped that long pass against the Seahawks. I remember it's, it's it seems like a long time ago. Velas Jones had his first college football game four days before that. So that's really? how long he's, that's how long he's been in college. I he liked it, but U- I didn't realize that he was with USC for four years and the Tennessee with, for two and up to this past year, never had more than 290 yards receiving for USC or Tennessee. But this past year, 62 catches, eight, 807 yards um, on offense. He's going to be, I mean, he's, he's 25 or 26 now. So I think that drops him. He's not going to be a starting receiver, so that drops him. But he's a hell of a return guy, and I, I think you can you can slot him right in there. And then also here with my with my other seventh round pick here, getting close to the end of the draft, I, I think the Dolphins do still have a spot there at running back. And, and I went with Abram Smith out of Baylor. He's not the blazing fast running back that Ch- Chase Edmonds or um, Raheem Mostert are, but. Uh, he only did it for one year at Baylor, but he ran for 1,600 yards last year. So somebody that, that certainly has shown the ability to do it. And, and I think the thing that would really sell him, too, is that he can uh, – some people are, are thinking he bulks up and plays fullback. I've seen him on some big boards as, as a fullback, too. So You took a fullback, re- kind of? Uh, maybe a fullback. I mean, somebody who could be your backup fullback and your third running back maybe on your, on your team. So – I could see him making the roster if he's picked here at the end of the seventh round, even uh, would be good competition for that final running back spot. So going back over my list, Troy Anderson in the third round at linebacker, Brian Cook at safety. Um, fifth round, I've got Matt Ariza, the punter from San Diego State. 
D'Angelo Malone, the edge rusher from Western Kentucky. And then my two seventh rounders, wide receiver Velas Jones from Tennessee, running back Abram Smith from Baylor. Paul, you have so far Troy Anderson, the linebacker, um, third round. Can't believe that still. Linebacker, and, running back, quarterback, tight end, Troy Anderson. Yep. Yep. You, then you've got Chiga in the fourth round. Then Cole Strange, the center from Tennessee, Chattanooga. Also, Matt Arise, the punter. In the fifth, uh, Bo Melton, and you've got two picks left in the seventh. I do, and I went with a guy that he, it, he only started 29 games in college. But in those 29 games, this gentleman threw for 13,809 passing yards and rushed for 1,585 yards. He threw 121 touchdown passes. Um and his senior year, 5,070 passing yards, 46 touchdown passes, 65% completion rate. Granted, it wasn't at the highest level, but I'm intrigued, and it's worth a flyer, especially since we got Teddy B backing up um, Tua right now. But again, it's people want to talk about the two first-round picks if Tua doesn't work out this year. Throwing an athlete behind him with a cannon for an arm and some accuracy uh, that that can also use his feet never hurts, and that's Eric Barrier out of Wa- Eastern Washington. Okay, um, it's I, there were a couple other quarterbacks on the board, but again, this is a crap year for quarterbacks anyway. And I like some of the late round flyers here as far as that goes, a heck of a lot more than I like taking some of these guys in the mid rounds. Um, and then I actually went with a running back at my final pick, but I went with a different one. I doubled down on Rutgers and took Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, continuing to at, take a flyer on some guys with some speed. He's got a very compact frame, and he's an exciting guy to watch. And I think if he can figure it out, might be able to battle his way into the rotation a little bit. Uh, definitely won't start, but if we have a couple of injuries, he might take over and surprise some people. And and we've all seen that Mike McDaniel tends to do well with these late-round track meet athletes at the running back spot. And that finalizes my list, man. I'm excited. This was fun. It was. It absolutely was. Uh, Yeah, Pacheco, not incredibly productive at Rutgers, but it doesn't seem like any running back or wide receiver were. They all played, you know, below their their talent level. But 215 pounds and runs under a 4-4, I mean, that's that's a pretty good place to go with a late seventh-round pick. So, no, yeah, it it was fun here as much as I – see, I don't hate mock drafts anymore. You know why? Because the real winner of the offseason is me. Because I don't have to go on Twitter and see these stupid mock draft machine things 17 times a day now because people are a little more demotivated to do them. So we got Tyreek Hill, and I don't have to see that every day. Man, I'm a lucky guy. So, um, yeah, yeah, real real quick, because I know we got to get off the air here, but I I just want to say the fun thing about this was we have some positions that could use an upgrade. But I don't think we've ever gone into an offseason off season saying, like, we don't have actual needs. It's there other than we don't have a punter right now. But there's not actual needs. There's, oh, sure, we could definitely upgrade this spot. Some of the spots are, you know, the weak link in the chain. But there's not needs. And that's cool, man. That That's really cool to say. I agree. And I said the other day on the show that the Dolphins could take this exact roster into week one. It doesn't mean that they 
you know, can't add another piece here or there. And I, I, I think they probably will. They, I think they've got one more free agent signing, whether that's at safety linebacker, offensive tackle center, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, you could go into the season with this roster. I'm not saying it's the most talented roster in the AFC, but um, it's, it's a lot more than we thought. It's a lot more talented than we thought it would be here just a week ago when the Dolphins didn't have Tyreek Hill, didn't have Teron Armstead. And just a lot of excitement in the Dolphins community, which is which is awesome to see too. That's going to do it for our breakdown here of uh, the first round NFL mock draft. We'll be sure to revise this going forward as well as a full Dolphins mock draft. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan sided network and finfanatic.com. I'm Brian Cat, NFL Polis Fanatic underscore pick. Thanks for joining us. And if it's not on the right side, it's not on the left side. It is on the fence side.